because Felino give it go and is batted out of midair by Brown, who did a nice job defensively. And now sends away Kopitar. Two on one with Gabriel. RJ Kopitar, Gabriel You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. Face-off win by Kopitar scores! Marion Gabrick has goal number 400! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Well, the winning streak continues, you guys. 6-0-1 in their last seven. And you know what? With 29 games having been played, it's not early anymore. This is the season. This is who they are. Before you know it, we'll be halfway through this thing. Uh, Nashville is the only team with a better record over their previous 10 games, having gone 8-1-1. The Kings 7-2-1. Marion Gabrick picks up his 400th goal. Kopitar picks up his 500th assist. It's a great way to open up a homestand after a great road trip. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Never miss an episode uh, by subscribing to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Google Play, any other place you find podcasts. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Enjoy the episode. We're here live again, high above the ice at Staples Center. Joining me as always, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? Doing well, a little conflicted, but doing well. <laughs> and special guest, Alex Faust. How are you doing today, Mr. Faust? Jesse, I'm making my, is this my second podcast? I believe so, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm doing well. Good Kings win. Six in a row. My fault for making this only the second and not more frequently. Before we get into tonight's game, uh, look, Kings fans love you. You are you have fit in amazingly with the franchise, but I'm curious what your impression is of the team, the experience, the gig, the fans, everything after um, two or three months on the job. It, it's still a dream job. It's funny, because I wasn't working the game tonight for Fox Sports West, I got to just roam around, walk the concourse, and uh, chat with fans, and I couldn't tell you, it, it's still... It still doesn't quite click with me when you get stopped in the concourse and people say, oh, yeah, you're doing a great job, or, hey, can I get a picture? And it just, I'm just still dumbfounded. I'm like, really, you want a picture with me? I'm not, I'm not all that important. Like, it's okay. But it, it's, it's so cool. Um, it's so cool how the fans have latched on and, and love uh, what Jim and I are trying to do. Um, and we're not, we're not forcing anything. It's, it's, we are... We have that kind of banter off the air. We poke fun at one another. We we jab at one another all the time. And I love that it's just translated on the air because we're having so much fun. The half and I have talked multiple times about the changes that happen in a franchise over time. You know, when we lost David Courtney um, and now the Bob is retired. And we always, the, the analogy we always use is when Kermit the Frog's voice changed. You know, the, the new Kermit or, or Bugs Bunny or the Honey Nut Cheerios B or Ronald McDonald. The voices that you're just used to hearing all the time. And all of a sudden there's a change. And it's jarring in that first month. But over time, you that just becomes the new voice. And, and I expected it to take a lot longer for me to get used to you. And, and it really took about a week. So you're doing a heck of a job. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take all the credit, Jesse. I appreciate it. I really do. So uh, let's get into this Kings team. Alex, you were out there on the road with them. A perfect road trip, 4-0. They come back now and pick up a, a, a fifth win. No, sorry, sixth win in a row. 6-0-1 uh, in their last seven games. What about this team do you think has changed the most to explain this streak? I mean, I, without sounding too cliche, it's attention to detail. Uh when they were getting in trouble, they were forcing the issue. They were 
not using the neutral zone to their advantage, and they would often try to to push the game way too much. You saw guys that were trying to do way too much. Drew Doughty making headman passes. Um, guys that are forcing the action through the middle of the ice instead of setting up a forecheck. That was the type of stuff that got him into trouble. So they went back to basics. You saw the execution against Boston. You didn't get the result. You saw the execution against Arizona. Didn't get the result. Finally it came together late against Anaheim, and that finally lifted the mood in the, in the locker room a little bit. I think there were guys that, even though they didn't play a clean game against Anaheim to start this winning streak, they thought finally got a breakthrough we finally got a result after all this maybe not puck luck so to speak but they finally got a result and that just spurred on the the road trip I don't think anyone would have expected them to go four and oh but they played well they got rewarded and the big worry was whether or not they could keep that going considering how at times they've stumbled at home but we were proven uh wrong in some respect tonight that they came out and um even though they had a bobble at the start they they had a pretty good finish at the end. I'm tired of the folly bobblehead night. No, oh, yeah. Um, right, yeah. <laughs> the half and I talked uh, earlier about being, we would have been happy with two points on this road trip. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm glad that you brought up the notion of. <laughs> well, Set look, the I mean, expectations high, Jesse. Well, no, I mean, look, they, you know, it was a tough road trip. But uh, you know, I'm also glad you brought up the notion of puck luck because, you know, Jack and I have spoken a lot about how important it can be. And in a game like tonight, where you're coming off of a long road trip, you know, I, I don't know what most people expected. I expected maybe the effort not to be 100%, no disrespect to the team, but you have a, a 4-0 road trip, you're 5-0-1 in your last six games. Tonight's a perfect night, you're back home, and, you know, I don't know where all the guys live, but the fire's going on, and the holidays are coming up, and there's a million things that could be on your mind. Jack, you paid extra special attention to the Wild as Minnesota Wilds number one biggest fan. Uh, what were the things out there that maybe Kings fans weren't noticing tonight for the while to explain this game? Yeah, well, and I think you know, as the storyline goes along, and, and we'll kind of get through how the third period evolved and why it happened, uh, a lot of you know what the Wild have tried to do early on with kind of fighting some of the injury bug and along with just a little bit of a mess of a lineup, you know, in and out with you know certain players, is it's a very you know kind of th- what they do is they've kind of got a spell and, and it's you know they try to trap you into something and playing a little bit of a game that you're not used to a little possession uh, control game where they a lot of forecheck a lot of cycling and then all of a sudden they you know move it up high go to the net and you know it's a little scrappy but at the same time it's it's worked you know well for the you know the wild in the last four or five years and that's kind of what the Kings fell into in the first two periods. You know, coming back from the road trip, going four and zero, and and then you know coming into a wild team that's not in the playoff picture right now. It, it did, as you said, it was you know it's is the trap game the right word? I don't know, but it, it was one of those things where they had the potential to kind of like overlook it, and they slightly did a little bit in those first two periods, and mostly because. The Wild, you know, held the puck. They they controlled the pace, and that's you know what they need to do to win. And then all of a sudden, you know, that puck like turned around. You get an early goal in that uh, third period, and then two goals that go off the Wild, and it's a win. And, and and you'll take it because they deserved it. We talked earlier this year, you and I did about the the script that teams seem to be employing against the Kings: get under their skin, yep. push them around, rough them up. There was that fight earlier with McDermott and Stewart. Um, what do you think of that fight? Because it it stood out in my mind as a unique fight. Well, I mean, it was it was one of the better fights I've seen this year, just because it 
there was it was actually even and there it was an actual fight instead of just grabbing jerseys but it was an interesting time and and that's exactly what we've kind of fallen into the last few times and i don't know what you're alluding to here and i'll let you speak on it after but it was exactly what we've seen in the past in the sense of all right well we're gonna lose the defenseman we already know that in the past, we've been short on D, just in depth in general. So we're going to take him out along with Chris Stewart, who's the third or fourth line player on the Wild. And now we're going to play our tops, the Wild's top six forwards versus five defensemen for the next five minutes. And they allowed Stewart, who's that's his job, to get under people's skin and then take advantage of you every once in a while with his skill. They allowed him to do that, and McDermott fell for it as a young guy. And it, you know, the Wild ended up. Sorry, Uh, the Wild ended up not taking advantage of it on the the play itself, but most importantly, uh, kept the Kings away from playing their game in the first period. So the thing that stood out to me was when they squared off, I thought I rolled my eyes because we've talked about this. I don't particularly enjoy the fights where the two guys square off and, you know, it's... And, and I get it, people. some people love it, it's not my favorite thing. And they squared off and I thought, okay, this is going to be a sort of typical textbook fight, not much is going to happen. But, it, but one thing happened, I talked to Alex about this before we started recording, I don't remember ever seeing, and I'm sure it's happened, but I don't remember ever seeing somebody actually take a body shot during a fight. <laughs> and Chris Stewart hit Curtis McDermott, like right in the kidney, um, totally unblocked, totally unblocked, and I, I, I audibly exclaimed when it happened, because I've always thought, when they've got their hands up around their face, like, why doesn't somebody just punch the dude in the gut? And just <laughs> He did it. It is called the code, <laughs> capital T, right. capital C. <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> well, it, it doesn't. I mean, I saw it. It happened. It did. Um, so, I mean, it, but you're right. It, it was... It was Another and and I think the last time we talked about this was the last time McDermott fought. Mm-hmm. So I did have that moment of like, oh geez, they're back from the road trip. They're gonna get you know the crowd was dead. You know for the first ten minutes nobody was here. Traffic's bad again. There's the fires. It's a seven or you know seven o'clock start. So I thought, oh man, this is gonna be one of those nights. Um, but you know, Alex, you mentioned a sort of humdrum game through the first two periods. Was there anything that stood out to you in the first two? No. Okay. <laughs> Jack. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll repeat it if, if you want me to. It's just they, they fell for the Wilds, yeah. you know, a little spell. And, you know, they got out of it in the third period, which was most importantly. But if you look at those first two periods, uh, the one thing that you cannot allow to happen, and, and we've talked about this over the last year and, and, and so on the podcast, is the most important times in the game, obviously aside from, you know, winning and losing, are the first and the last period of the, the period and the first two minutes after a goal. Mm-hmm. And the Wild get the goal, and then the Kings come back, tie it. Within a, two minutes, it's 2-1 to one again. And, and that's exactly what you can't do, especially at home, because now the crowd was into it, and now they're back out of it, and now you got to fight uphill again. And it took them a whole other period until they were able to tie it again. It, it was slow going, but after that Minnesota goal, L.A. controlled play throughout the rest of the second period. And then... Took over, and then Alex, that third period. I mean, yeah. this is not the first time we've seen an impressive performance out of the Kings in the third period, but but tonight was. Uh, nice. I mean, they are the best third period team in the NHL. It's it's not even close. Um, just by goal differential, just by style of play. Uh, I mean, the final shot total, eight five. I don't think really indicates how much the Kings controlled the run of play in the third period. I mean, they have chance after chance, and I I thought early on they they were they had spurts where they were pelting uh, Dubnik, but 
until that third period, never really felt like they seized momentum. So they tie the goal, or they tie the game with Gabrick um, in goal number 399. And then, and I guess, two, I don't want to say fluky goals because they earned them, but um, just uh, like there was a stick on one and one didn't get through all the way cleanly and Dubnik didn't see one. And so you take advantage of what you get, right? Um, but they, they manufactured, I think, the, the offense in that third period to allow them to get, uh, I don't know about the you know the extra number uh, five on the night, but uh, certainly the uh, go-ahead goal. And if I could add to that, just to, to quote John Wooden, uh, the oh. great coach. Sorry, oh, no. sorry. It's, We're in uh, California. I'll, I'll, be, okay, I'll be honest. This is coming from my final. That'll be tomorrow in sports. So, in and I think it goes perfectly with the third period is that the harder you work, the more luck you will have. And the Kings outworked the Wild in the third period, and it wasn't even close. They were all over them. The Wild had five shots, even though I think it was three until the last two minutes of the game. And they outworked them, and they got lucky. You know, the f- it was a cross-ice pass from Kempe that ended up going off Brodeen's skate and into the net to take the lead. A minute and a half later, it goes. Uh, it was you know a well-placed shot by uh, Gabrick to take it to four-two, but it ended up going off Dumba and going you know under the bar and over Dubnik's shoulder. And, and that's just kind of you know we talked about in the losing streak when they were at home before they beat Anaheim, they weren't getting any bounces, and now all of a sudden they are getting the bounces, and that's why they've taken advantage and won six of their last seven, and they deserve it. That that notion of of luck and work is one of my favorite. Um, axioms in life you know it's it can be expressed a million different ways my favorite is always luck is the residue of design and um you know we talk about the uh philosophical i what can can i say (laughs) but we talk about the war of the color blobs all the time and tonight was another perfect example of you see you know there's the kings with three beautiful big right bright red blobs one right in front of the net where (laughs) where you'd want it to and then the other two coming from the points and even though none of the goals were created necessarily from crashing the net or, or you know, going to the quote-unquote ugly places. Again, it's that commitment to, to detail that Alex mentioned earlier that, that maybe caught them off, uh, off the pace a bit. Um, that goal, that second goal that Gabrick scored that did clip Dumba's stick, and it was just... Sure, it was, it was luck, I suppose, but again, it, like you said, it's one of those things where... It was a well-deserved goal, and they, yeah. they ended up, you know... You know, you know, they converted because yeah. they deserve to. Well, you right. win, it just you happened win, to go in, and you they win the face off in your own zone. Yeah, you win the face off in your own zone, right. and you win the battle to the puck. Right. Now that it's been won, and then you took advantage of it and ended up going in the net. And again, it was well deserved because they outworked the Wild. It wasn't even close in the third period. And another great mind once said, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. Gretzky, Michael Scott. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about face-offs because that was a big face-off win for Anze Kopitar. Alex, presumably one of the reasons they acquired Tori Mitchell was mm. to help on face-offs. Uh, he had a great night tonight. How important has he been and will he be moving forward when it comes to face-off wins? Uh, well, Kings were 34 out of 59 in the face-off circle, and Tori Mitchell was 6 of 7 in 11 minutes or so of ice time. Now, again, he's not getting first-line ice time. He knows he's not getting first-line ice time. I was talking to him this morning uh, about his role and and what he sees himself doing, but that's part of it. Winning face-offs, being a good fourth-line motor 
effort to skate up ice, hold the zone, forecheck well. I was talking to Nick Dowd, and obviously he's been uh, replaced in the lineup with Tory Mitchell, but the same kind of concept, right? That The job of that line is to hold the zone at like the bottom of the order in baseball so that the top of the order can come up and drive in some runs, right? They're supposed to hold the zone so that Kopitar can come over the boards and get an offensive zone start, so to speak. And the Kings have done very well in that regard in the last couple games. You're not going to say that Tory Mitchell is the difference maker on this team, especially since we only have two sample sizes. The, the Royal Halfwood, <laughs> but generally oh, there you go. Well, there you go. But, but I'd say, you know, guys like Jokinen, right? Jokinen, similar kind of mold of a guy who's veteran, knows his role, um, does whatever he is asked to do, and sets up that next line to come over the boards. It, it's worked very well, and I think the Kings have finally found four solid lines to rotate through, although I know there's going to be a, a line controversy after what uh, Gabrick put up in the third period here tonight. <laughs> but I won't get into that because it's not my job. Well, Jack, you and I talked a lot about the bottom six. Any thoughts on, on the change between this bottom six and the bottom six you and I saw the last time we spoke? Well, most importantly, I think we have to credit Rob Blake and, and Luke Robitaille with the, the two moves that they've made early in the season with acquiring Mitchell and acquiring Jokinen because that was a big concern early on. Like we got off the the Kings, so the Wild, uh, the Kings, <laughs> the Kings got off to a hot start and then it they kind of the, the pack caught up and, and and we figured out why and then we took advantage of that and made some moves and and, and you know Rob and. And Luke have, have done a tremendous job in, in figuring out the problems and then attacking the weaknesses and, and making it stronger. And, and then you get the health of Garrick, who's coming to the lineup now in the last, you know, 10 games or so. And he's made a, you know, he, you know, is he a top six guy? You know, he's been all over the place. He's up and down between games, whether he's on the top line or he's on the third line. And with his addition and his health, along with the two additions that the, the management have made, it's it's we've seen a different team and because of it you know with Gabrick's addition and then those two you know coming into the program we're seeing the depth and it's getting stronger and the, our weaknesses are becoming less and less of a problem because of you know what we've been able to produce on the bottom six and again you know as Alex mentioned the possession and getting it to the guys that matter and the guys that you know are able to put the puck in the net there comes a, a time during every season where a, a win streak or a losing streak happens, and you start, it's sort of like in a movie that you hate or you love, where you're looking at your watch and you're like, either A, how, how much more of this do I have to watch, or B, God, I'm loving this, I hope it doesn't, you know, if you're watching something on the DVR or whatever, and you see, oh, there's only 10 minutes left, shoot, I'm loving this. Prior to this win streak, it was, oh my God, when is Kyle Clifford and Jeff, Jeff Carter coming back? This mm -hmm. team has holes. This mm -hmm. team is now. I'm getting to the point where I'm almost. Obviously, you want a fully healthy team. You want to see everybody available. But I'm almost started thinking like, they have too many guys now, um, and it's going to be sort of disappointing when when Clifford mm -hmm. and Carter come back and somebody has to to go. We'll leave that conversation for another day. But. Uh, I put it as, it's a good problem to have, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Jesse. No, no, and, and you'd much rather have that one than what we were dealing with earlier this year, where, mm -hmm. no disrespect to the players who are no longer with us, but as, as Jack and I have mentioned, we had three guys on a line that five mm -hmm. games into the season weren't in the league, and that was your fourth line. I, I would say this, too. Sometimes coaches get flack for juggling lines, mm -hmm. and it appears to be grasping at straws, but how important has line chemistry been, right? Because you didn't think of putting Trevor Lewis and Adrian Kempe together on a line. All right, well, they're, they're, and they're putting Marion Gabbard on that line. You wouldn't have thought of that before, right? But now they're producing, and now you have 
again, the ability to roll four changed this team from leaning so heavily on Kopitar and Brown and then Dowdy, the producers we were mentioning, doing stuff that was outside of his game and outside of his roles and responsibilities. Well, now you don't have to worry about that anymore. Now folks can worry about doing their job. It just makes such a difference. And with Kempe's goal tonight, if I'm not mistaken, uh, four players in double digits and goals, mm-hmm. and one yeah. of them is arguably your third line. I mean, if, right. your, if your third line is a, a, a fully armed and operational Marion Gabrick and Adrian Kempe and American hero and future president Trevor Lewis, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty great third yeah. line. I mean, like... If you're if you're going to adopt the notion that Jack keeps telling me is the truth, which is speed and skill is the new, you know, big and, and defensive uh, for the future of the league, then you're not going to find a much faster and much more talented third line than Marion Gabrick and Adrian Kempe. No, I, it's, I mean, speed and skill is here and now. Mm-hmm. We're, we're not at the point where the NHL is evolving. It's already here. If you say so. Um, Jesse's skeptical. I, I think I know you're gonna you and I would get into a big argument on this, but. Realistically, when the Kings are winning, they're scoring. Mm. It's it's not so much a defensive problem right now. Uh, I think the the stat that I have at the top of my boards for every game is the Kings are unbeaten in regulation when scoring three or more goals. That is held true once again. I, it, when this team is winning, they're scoring because the defense will be there. And yes, they've had some hiccups along the way, but I think it's a byproduct of not putting the puck in the back of the net. And when you wind up trying to do too much, it backfires. When they're scoring, it's all right in the world, right? You got Jonathan Quick back there at a backstop. There was a, a stat that I, I didn't intend to look it up. I stumbled onto it today earlier, purely by chance. And it was giveaways versus takeaways. And I looked at Dowdy, and I sort of did a double take because there were far more uh, giveaways than there were takeaways. And I thought, well, I wonder how that stacks up against other players. So I started looking. Turns out most players have far more giveaways than they do takeaways. Yeah. So no it's big a, deal. It's there. a weird stat. It's a very weird stat. And I would also sure. caution that it is incredibly subjective sure. when it comes to scoring. But here's the one thing that did stand out for me, and, I, and it speaks precisely to what we're talking about. Right. The, the total in both categories... Mm way up for Dowdy this year than in previous years, right? Way more giveaways, way more takeaways. Mm. So so I couldn't really compare, like, how is he doing better or worse because it's so much, the numbers are so much higher this year. And so I thought to myself, well, is that a function of the system they're playing? Are they just creating more plays on, on both sides of the ice? And that's, So I looked up Kopitar, same thing. Way more giveaways, way more takeaways. And, and it just does, I think, speak to the full game transformation that this team mm. has made from past seasons where it was slow plotting possession heavy to now even though they're not giving up the the back and forth rushes with every line the way we saw you know during that losing streak they they absolutely are playing that style where they're taking more chances but also creating more chances and, and they are and it's it is a testament to the system that Stevens has them playing and, and it is different compared to what we're used to seeing in in what we can call the the old NHL of you know it's it's you know, beating him up and, and and kind of battering him down until you can you know take advantage of a, a depleted team or you know a weaker you know more tired out team. And I think that's just it is the way the NHL is evolving to the point of it's all about offense. And and Alex is right. You know, it's the problem has been when we're not scoring. You know, it, quick's not the problem. 
No. You know, it, it, <laughs> no, it never he's has not. been. No. It, it, Quick's not the problem. You know, he's always going to keep you in the game. You know, there's hiccups here and there through an 82-game season. Uh, but if you're not scoring, you know, the other team is because that's how the NHL is now. And it's not, you know, well, if we're not scoring, someone else has to be. It's it's because the NHL is all about offense. The, the rules are made to play offense. Not, you know, it's not in the defenseman's favor. It, so. The way the NHL is going, you know, the Kings have adapted very well for how quickly they've been able to kind of transition their roster from what won two cups with the physicality and the brutality and, and turned it into an offensive-minded, you know, speed, skill, and, and they've done that through the draft and through free agency and trading. This team is interesting in, in a couple ways. John Stevens talking to him this morning. Uh, he said he's liked the way the team has played in their own zone compared to when they were on that losing streak. So again, it, it starts with D for the, and, and then translates into offense. But he said the neutral zone posture was better. It was a good way of putting it, right? They are, instead of being passive in the neutral zone, they are actively looking to be on the attack. Uh, and you saw that develop, I think, a lot of goals on that road trip. Uh, maybe not so much tonight because he had a couple flukes there and, of course, the face-off goal, but, the, you know, the rebound allowing Gabbert to get it right down front, born out of uh, coming on the attack in the neutral zone. It's just a, you hit on a jack. It's, it's a different approach for this team this year when they're executing. They're a fun team to watch. Yeah. I know I've run into so many people already who said you wouldn't have been able to associate fun team to watch with the L.A. Kings in the past. Well, you, you can now. There was a, a quote. I'm not going to be able to find it in time, I think. But it was on Twitter. It was during the Chicago game. It was from one of our friends out, uh, one of our, our blogger buddies out in Chicago. And he was talking about Jokinen. And the gist of the comment was, you uh, see Jokinen, all you see Jokinen ever does is be in the perfect position. Mm. And for some reason, NHL GMs can't wait to get rid of him. Mm. That was the, <laughs> the quote. And I, I spoke to Alex Donna out in Florida about Jokinen and, and how much the Panthers may miss him and what we can expect from him. And he said essentially the same thing, which he's just a smart, heads-up player who's always in the right position. And I think that sort of speaks to what the team has has been doing. I mean, it's what we've all been saying for 20 minutes now. Yeah. But but it speaks to what you're talking about, about that, that neutral zone positioning. Yeah. The, the quote from John Stevens this morning, glad you brought it up, because I had it underlined right here. Jokinen thinks the game really well. And it's a good way to put it, because he doesn't do anything outstanding with skill that you say, wow, that's a dazzling move, or wow, that's an incredible pass. But he, he knows where to be at the right time. Um, and, he, and he rarely I, I haven't seen him make a mistake I haven't seen him put a foot wrong since he's come here which is uh, exactly what you want with a veteran guy on a fourth line and, and I think there's at, at now with a healthy roster I feel like there's one of those guys on every line hmm. right? like I follows not getting a ton of goals but he's out there on the forecheck ca- causing chaos turning the puck over doing it Tanner Pearson not getting a ton of goals although Again, for the record, everybody, he's on pace for his highest points, so calm down about Tanner Pearson. But he's out there, he's on the forecheck, he's <laughs> are causing people, Are people really giving you a hard time about that? No, I have a weird thing about Tanner Pearson. I love him unconditionally, yeah. and I'm overly protective of Tanner Pearson. He's my perfect baby boy. <laughs> um, <laughs> and his dog won the second Bark Madness. But uh, then on the third line, you've got Trevor Lewis. Again, you know, we, we need not sing the praises of Trevor Lewis anymore. And now with, with Jokin and, and possibly even Mitchell, you so now you have... On every line, you've got at least one guy who's positionally sound, defensively responsible, the sort of conscience of that line. And, and you're seeing that that opens up the offense to create all these goals. Right. And like you said, when they score three goals, they win. Right. Um, one last thing before we go. Let's talk real briefly about Jonathan Quick because 
as you said, Jack, he's never the problem, but he's really having a great season. And he is, and and I think uh, through the losing streak that we endured, you know, two weeks ago, the conclusion was it, it's not Quick's fault. He's mm-hmm. doing what he's supposed to do. He gives up two, three goals a night, and that's what a goalie's supposed to do. Now he's one of the top five goalies in this league, and it's you know that's not even a debate at this point. But what's most important is he. You know, and obviously every goalie is supposed to be able to keep you in the game when you're not playing well, or or, or so on and so forth. But you know, it it really you know it started with Anaheim and he played well and giving up one goal in the game, and then all of a sudden you get into you know Detroit and and spectacular save, a spectacular save. You know, this winning streak is you know it's really started with him and you know his consistent play you know game after game and you know him being able to stay healthy this year has obviously been a huge plus but the kings have been able to build off of it and knowing the confidence of having a guy like that behind you know at goal when you're on the ice gives you so much leeway to, to turn your off you know your mind and your mindset towards attacking in the the neutral zone like alex mentioned and towards focusing on opening up the game because he's back there and you can count on him night after night I don't know what you're talking about. He had a paltry 905 save percentage tonight. Two goals on 21 shots. I mean, come on, Quickie. Um, Here, here's the crazy thing, though. Before I'm going to jump in before we oh, finish your thought, yeah. there are people out there yeah. who will literally say what you just said with zero irony. Yeah. Like that, that will be, and that's why it's part I of the, the irony dripping all over this. But that's part of the reason I've come to really hate the save percentage snap. Mm. Like he has a perfectly fine night. He allows two goals, right. and there's somebody out there going, "Well, oh, yeah, exactly." Well, the Kings are a good puck possession team, yeah. or at least have been in the past, and you know that 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 stat won't mean very much. But exactly. for what it's worth, he is riding a career high 9.30 save percentage this year, and that will dip a little bit with tonight. But the second uh, number on that rank, he's 9.30 this year, 9.29. 2012. There, there you go. go. There you go. What happened in 2012, guys? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't here, so I don't know. <laughs> it was the greatest year of my life. Uh, so before we go, one last final thing for real. Mm. Jack Jablonski. Mm. <laughs> oh, boy. I've got to – all right, carry on. Referred – now, look, I don't care if people, Kings fans, Kings bloggers, Kings employees, whatever, anybody who loves the Kings and uses the word we – refer to the Kings. Fine by me. Fine by me. But Jack said, we referring to the Minnesota Wild tonight. Jack, you're killing me. Alright, now, now Jesse, I've got a perfectly valid excuse. All right? uh-huh. No, you grew up in Minnesota. Well, that, that too. I grew up in Minnesota. I, you know, I grew up around the Wild, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. A, a man in the Kings organization, when, hired, when I was hired on to work and intern for the Kings, told me when you work for a team, you cannot become a fan of them. It is your job to work for them without bias. Mm-hmm. Therefore, now, am I a Kings fan? Yes. I root for them to win against 30 teams in the NHL. The one happened to be the Wild because that is where I've been since day one. That being said, I'm just following what people higher than me in the <laughs> rankings in the LA Kings organization have told me to do. And the we is the Wild, but when it's, you know... Tomorrow, we is going to be the Kings. All joking aside, I have a Doug Gilmore Toronto Maple Leafs jersey, yeah. and the only reason is because I was born and lived in Toronto for three years. I have no other affiliation with Toronto, so I'm, 
it, it could be a lot worse. It could be um, that you actually secretly, like me, you hate the Kings, right? Um, and and you don't. And when you're commentating on the Kings, you want the other team to score, and you get really excited when the other team scores. And because I work for the Kings, you're right, Jack. Because I work for the Kings, I can't possibly root for them at any moment. Exactly. I, I have to say, I I admire. I, I made a I made a come promise, at me, bro. I made a promise to myself years ago, and I haven't always kept to it. But I made a promise to myself years ago that I would just ignore and walk away from any criticism mm. online. That I wouldn't. Mm. When my first rule when I signed up on Twitter was no fighting on Twitter. Mm. Oh, that lasted mm. how long? I, I try. I mean, look, I am a passionate man. I I fail <laughs> myself sometimes, but I try and keep with it. But I truly admire how much you interact with the fans when they have criticisms. I mean, there. so part it, partly I do it because it's it, in the grand scheme of things, it's a little ridiculous. Now. As I've said from day one, if you have uh, a just like a newspaper, corrections and omissions, I will gladly take it. I'll gladly take the heat for for making mistakes on the air. I I completely agree. But if you are coming at me saying I I hate the Kings, like I can't take your <laughs> argument seriously. Sorry. Sorry. Well, this is the team that took a chance on me and decided to hire me cross country. You think I'd be hating them right well, now? So I don't think so. So that's funny. We, we mentioned the half, and I talked about it on the podcast mm. uh, before, and I, I think I threw it out on Twitter. I don't know if you saw it or not, mm. but but <clears throat> my father, my father, and I have this have this conversation that we each have with each other about mm. true kings, real kings, Whoa. and the notion is that one. Well, I'm sure it happens with every. Yeah. yeah but but you have guys there before the cup, right? Is that well, well, mean? no, yeah. no. The, the idea is you have players that come through on any team, but we're mm. Kings fans, so we talk about the Kings. On any team, there's hundreds, if not thousands, of guys that rotate through the organization, and some of them do something that wins the hearts of the fan base mm-hmm. in a short amount of time, and other guys are around for eight years, right. and you go, really? Like, yeah. Alexander Frolov has the fourth most goals <laughs> as a left winger in Kings history? Like, what are you talking about? So, so there's these moments that make a player, you know, so for example, Felix Potman was here for, I think, two and a half years. Mm-hmm. But what, but at the peak of his powers, there were fans with Felix the Cat dolls in the stands. There were pop band jerseys. Like people loved him. He was here for a brief period of time. True King for me. And so we always try and boil it down to like when was that moment that that player became a, like a like Jeff Carter was the, his first hat trick in the 2012 Cup run. Um, for me, mm-hmm. your True King moment mm-hmm. was Tyler Toffoli's overtime goal against Boston. Because that was such a perfect call. You and Jim both called it so perfectly. And as far as I was concerned, there was no faking that. It was because because every Kings fan, every Kings fan watching that game screamed out loud and jumped up and... And the same reaction we did, probably. And, and that, so like I said, it was one of those moments that wasn't scripted, it wasn't planned. There's yeah. no, there no way you could have known it was coming, but your reaction was so yeah. genuine and so perfect. And then, so boom. And, and well, you, welcome to the case. I mean, I, I felt that at that moment, like, okay, this team, this year, you want to talk about puck luck and having things happen in, in right ways. That's for real. But like, so, mea culpa on my part, and I, I think I said this before re- replying to somebody, but. I don't. I'm not going to engage too much in arguments on social media. It's not worth it. And I probably came across as very smug, and I probably came across as very smug like two minutes ago. But like at the same time, like you know, I, I, I could just edit it out if you want. You, uh, yeah, no, nah, we want to remain, remain truthful. But that, like I, and that's why I'm. I enjoy the nights when I get to walk around the stands. It was weird for me not calling the game tonight, but I enjoyed getting to walk around, chat with fans because I love it. I love how passionate the fans are here and. Uh, it comes across online. It comes across in person. Uh, it, it it makes it that much more fun to be part of the organization. Let me say that. And, and coming from Minnesota, like you get the the whole vibe of you know, oh, LA Kings, they're fair weather fans. Like 
and I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, like, going into that, I thought, yeah, that was true, but it's, I'm completely wrong, like, these Kinks fans are, like, crazy, like, in a good way, it's just, it's, they're passionate, and obviously they have high expectations for an organization who's won two cups in the last, you know, handful of years, so it, it's great to see, and, and obviously, you know, Social media is a dark world at times, so <laughs> sometimes you're not going to get the brightest people. But at the same time, like it, it just shows that a true fan base is, you know, following people's every moves in the organization because they care. Mm-hmm. One of the things, um, and I'll make this the eighth one eighth last final one last one thing. Last thing one of the things that Dean Lombardi said very shortly after being hired, and at the time it made me raise an eyebrow and say, I don't know about this Dean Lombardi fella. Um, but one of the things he said was how shocked he was, exactly what you guys are saying, which is how shocked he was at the Kings fan base. And I thought, did you not do any homework on the team you're about to take over? Like, yeah, we're ludicrously passionate fan base. But, of course, as, as it turns out, over time he learned that, that all the fans were wonderful. And so I want to take one brief moment, if I could, Kings fans, to talk about you and what you've meant to my life. Uh, tonight I found myself uh, sitting at a table. I came, came into the game for the pregame meal, and uh, I... I I try not to talk too much about what goes on behind the scenes because it feels like gloating and then, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like, so I don't know, it just feels gross to me, but I'm going to do it. Um, sat, saw Jay Flats sitting there and I thought, oh, I'll go talk to Jay Flats while I eat my dinner. So I sat down next to Jay Flats. A few minutes later, Daryl Evans joins us. And I like Daryl a great deal and, and so we're sitting there and we're talking and then Nick Nixon came by and sat down and I thought, oh, this is fun. Like, I'm having dinner with Nick Nixon and Daryl Evans, the guys on the radio. And we're talking about hockey trivia and Bob Miller wanders by and sits down and all of a sudden I realize I'm having dinner with Bob Miller, Nick Nixon and, and Daryl Evans and, and Jackie were there and, and Jay Flats starts throwing out like trivia questions about like the history of hockey and all of a sudden I'm realizing that I'm playing that dumb game of hey let's all sit around and try and stump each other on hockey trivia with Bob Miller, Nick Nixon and Daryl Evans three guys that I grew up listening to and have loved and admired for, for a decade. And the reality is the only reason I was allowed that opportunity is because the Kings fans are so passionate that that there's a platform for me to come and talk about this dumb team and this dumb sport. So <laughs> so thank you, Kings fans. Thank and you. And with that, you just called them all dumb. Well, Good job, look, Jesse. There are, there are a handful of mantras of this podcast, and one of them is sports are dumb. But I want to, Alex, I want to thank you for joining us. <laughs> thanks for having me on. I get, that's a great way to Jack, thanks as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And uh, thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.